0: Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. It's our last episode of 2018, a good year and a bad year. There were two great powwows in Flat Bay and Mayobagag. The cultural reawakening continued at events big and small across the territory. Halibut joined the Assembly of First Nations, and about time. But over everything, there was the cloud of enrollment. In August, 10,000 Halibut members lost their status. Some good news came out of the Wells and Wells decision in the Federal Court of Canada. And at the end of the year, with Halibut elections out of the way, the federal government sent representatives to our territory to discuss dealing with injustices in the enrollment process. That was where I began my year-end conversation with Chief Brendan Mitchell, who went into the Halibut election carrying the baggage of enrollment, but emerged with a commanding victory. Here's my conversation with Halibut Chief Brendan Mitchell. We've had a, um, I think, what will uh, go down in the history books as a historic year for the band with so much going on uh, some good, some bad. We had um, uh, a banned election, we've had court cases, uh, 10,000 people losing status, but then at the end of the year, some good news where the feds sat down with with FNI, with the Federation of Florentines, to try and correct some of the wrongs that have taken place in the enrollment process. So perhaps we'll start at the end, and you can fill us in on what happened at these uh, exploratory meetings.
1: Sure, Glenn. We can talk about that. Thank you very much for this opportunity this morning. Before we get into our conversation about the year gone by, we are coming to the end of this year, and we are fast approaching Christmas. So I'd like to take this opportunity to say to all the listeners out there, I'd like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and prosperous 2019. And I ask and hope that their homes are filled with the true spirit of Christmas, Glenn, and also you know, that, that, our, that our homes are filled with a sense of kinship and friendship and warmth and good food and, and good music during the uh, Christmas season, and for everyone to try to reflect, of course, on the past, and always remember those that have passed before us, our parents and grandparents and siblings and others. So Christmas is a great time to reflect in that regard also. Yes. So for everyone on behalf of Halibut, our council and our staff, a very Merry Christmas to everyone.
0: Thank you for that. So uh, last uh, last week you were at, uh, I think, the Halibut office with, um, with people who came down from uh, – Ottawa, and perhaps other points. I know that on on your side you had the two uh, vice chiefs, uh, Councillor Frank Skierd and BAM Manager uh, Keith Golding, uh, who came down to represent the Feds in these exploratory discussions.
1: Well, the uh, the Feds, uh, the federal government, had four representatives here. The lead was Martineau, who was the Assistant Deputy Minister. Uh, for both Crown Indigenous Relations and also for Indigenous Services as of now. Uh, Martin Rier was a gentleman who negotiated the original agreement or principle uh, with the, the first group when the band was formed in 2011. So he was involved in that. He had uh, not much involvement, if any, with the supplemental agreement. So Martin Rier was here. Fred Caron was a gentleman who negotiated the supplemental agreement with the former leadership of the FNI he was here also, a lead lawyer named Carl Jacques, and another lady from INAC named Valerie Gauthier. So and that was a side. So for us, we've put together a new committee to be involved in these discussions. There was a committee in the past called the Implementation Committee. So right now, our committee consists of myself as chief, our two vice chiefs, Randy Drover and Keith Cormier. We have Frank Steard who was selected by the council at large to be a, a representative on that committee, our band manager, Keith Golding, has evolved, and, of course, our legal counsel, Steve May of Cox & Palmer. So we had our meeting in Corner Brook. It lasted a day and a half. It was a good conversation. Again, it was a commitment made in a release by the minister just recently to look at the situation regarding veterans of, of military and RCMP and those in service and also to look at the situation for FNi members. We were a lost status, former FNi and related band members. While the lost status or never got in the band, And, of course, in that release there was a conversation about the Wells case and 58,000 people who will now have an opportunity to submit additional information to help them with their issue of self-identification. So the meeting didn't talk a whole lot about that because the Wells and Wells case is yet to be done, but we did talk a lot about uh, the importance of doing something uh, different or better to help our veterans situation and others. When I say veterans, I mean collectively that whole group of RCMP military and, and those in service, and also, of course, to take a look at the FNI situation, and, and really it was the FNI members in the day who, number one, uh, ratified this agreement, and, and secondly, of course, the whole conversation regarding recognition was was started for FNI members, uh, Federation of Latin Indian members, and those involved in those associated bands. So that was a conversation we had, it was around, you know, where do we go from here? How do we get this going? How do we start this conversation?
0: Just on that issue of the, of the F&I piece, so is the thought that anyone who was a member of the F&I or itself or one of the associated bands should, be, uh, should get their
1: status? Glenn, well, you know, we never got to that situation yet, but for me personally, I'll say that this whole process toward recognition began in considering those very people that you just mentioned. And for me, uh, FNI people were around a long time. Some of them uh, lost their status. And and the clearest example that comes to mind for me would be John Oliver, a former president and chief of the FNI, um, one of the warriors of the flame, is a group that's been called who lost status now living in in the uh, British Columbia area. So, you know, that's an example of some of the people that this process would will be will be talking about and considering. But there are many others. I mean, everybody never had the profile that, that John Oliver had as, as a leader of the FNI
0: back And do you, And do you have a sense of what number of people we're talking about there?
1: We're not sure, Glenn, really yet. Uh, we'd have to look at all those numbers. Again, that's part of an exercise that has to be done. We have to figure out who these people are and then look at that and and see where we go from there. So, again, our conversation last week was a preliminary conversation. It was a follow-up to the release saying that there would be a discussion and our engagement, um, exploratory engagement or discussion, to talk about what we can do different. But I'm, I'm positive that good things are going to come out of what we're doing. And, you know, maybe by the next meeting, we'll have a greater sense of how many people are involved, how many people potentially could be could be impacted positively in this conversation, and so forth.
0: I mean, uh, the other uh, constraint, of course, is that we're headed into <clears throat> an election year, so perhaps uh, after about the end of June, nothing much will happen because we'll turn into election mode. So do you think that this, um, this exercise will be complete by then, or <clears throat> I see that... Um, Based on a conversation he had with you, Greg Jaynes of the Bergio Band expressed a concern that uh, you know, this might be, as he uh, called it, part of a, a sort of uh, campaign, um, part of the liberal election campaign, and that it might drag on. Um, are you concerned about that, and do you think you can wrap something up by, uh, before election season rolls around?
1: Yeah, Glenn, to answer you straight, absolutely. I have no intention. I told the governor of Canada on behalf of, of Halibut, we have no interest in dragging this out. This has to be dealt with quickly. And you're right, we are facing a federal election in the fall. Uh, we will be, of course, there will be a summer recess. So all that's got to be done, in my view, by then, before all that happens. So I would think in the spring we'll have an agreement in place that we would, you know, be able to tell people and show people and, and go from there. Yeah, I have no interest in dragging this out, and this will not be something that will extend into 2019 or beyond 2019 into 2020. So for me, the objective will be to get this done in the spring, late spring at worst, and then we'll we'll move forward from there.
0: Yes, is it your expectation you'll deal with uh, veterans, RCMP, and FNI? Of course, many people will be wondering about the other 10,000 and whether there will be anything. Um, in this process to deal with the 10,000 or if we have to wait for the court cases to deal with the situation of the 10,000?
1: Yeah, regarding the 10,000 who lost founding membership, many of these people, Glenn, are included in that group that we're talking about right now. Uh, Veterans is a small group, but FNI people who were impacted who lost status, and yes, FNI people who never got into this process at this point uh, will be part of the conversation too. Yes, so many of these people are part of the 10,000, and I'm confident that we will have this um, you know, finalized and hopefully in a positive way. Those court cases you mentioned, there are many people involved here, 58,000 people being impacted by the Wells decision uh, to provide additional information with respect to self-identification. We know we have the Benoit case to be finalized. We have the Abbott case um what else do we have? There's a break case, of course, a general break case. And there are many others that came up, a number of others that came up in, in recent months. And, yeah, I mean, those will all be resolved in time. But what we're attempting to do here would be, you know, before that. And we will hopefully help some people in this process, again, before those court cases. Other people may be impacted positively by the results of the court cases, but that's yet for us to to know the result. you know. But in terms of our new conversation with government, I'm expecting it will be a, a fairly short duration, and then we'll have something done with this. As you suggested earlier, we don't want to get into a summer recess, and we don't want to be impacted by an election. We need to get this thing resolved sooner than later.
0: Right. So and uh, so, you're meeting again in January, and will that be in Corner Brook or in, uh, elsewhere?
1: Yeah, that meeting won't be in Cornerbrook this time because we're going to move these meetings around. We started in Cornerbrook on our territory. I believe the next meeting is scheduled for Halifax because that's kind of a common distance between us and and the Ottawa representatives, and who knows, there'll be another meeting in Ottawa. Maybe we'll bring a meeting back to Cornerbrook and, you know, that type of thing. So we're going to be going back and forth with our committees to try to get this thing resolved as soon as possible.
0: And will there be, uh, the next meeting will be before the next uh, council meeting, which is January the 19th, so would we get an update at the next council meeting?
1: Yeah, I think the next meeting we talked tentatively would be later than the council meeting, so I'd like to get a bit of feedback in the council meeting. We'll hear from people about how they feel about this. I want to talk to councilors, of course, to give them an update on what happened uh, last week, and we haven't done that yet, really, and I'd like to do that face-to-face, so we have... A meeting in january we'll talk about some of these things and of course i'm sure people will want to provide their own input who are outside of council as to what you know they feel should be happening and and we'll go from there so glenn you know that that's that story last week it's a it's a positive move at least right now we're back talking with government and trying to find a way to get our membership back and to get those in this band who really should be here so uh, with that, I, I think we'll stop there because there were a lot of other initiatives happening in 2018 that we probably would like, I would like to talk about, and, uh, and we can go from there.
0: Yes. Well, the other, another big story in uh, 2018, of course, was Halibut joining the Assembly of First Nations, the premier indigenous group in Canada, uh, leaving uh, CAP, the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, and um, <clears throat> in, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, in July, I think it was, um, the motion to admit Halibu to the AFN passed relatively easily. And uh, it was um, a great uh, development, uh, I guess, in our, in our nation.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. It, it was an incredible um, event, really. And it did happen on St. Anne's Day. St. Anne is a patron saint of Big Mob people. And it happened on July 26th in Vancouver at the Annual General Assembly of the Assembly of First Nations. And we've been considering this for some time. But, you know, getting to where we could get, get people to make a motion to accept us uh, takes a bit of relationship building. And, and of course, lobbying to get support from the chiefs across Canada, who we've been making the decision to allow First Nation to become members of the Assembly of First Nations. So lots of that happened. So during 2018, I've always been thankful for the support and our relationship with uh, Chief Mazzell Joel and Beck First Nation, and they were very helpful to us, as were Shane McDonald and Corey John, who were in that delegation in Vancouver. Shane McDonald spoke on behalf of the Five Bay Band as a proxy, and, of course, Corey John on behalf of the Glenwood Band, who were already members of the Assembly of First Nation before us. So that was an incredible moment, and what it really did for us, it places us among other First Nations. We've finally taken our rightful place alongside... 634 other First Nation bands in Canada, and to be recognized and acknowledged there, in my opinion, would be, for me, a piece of our own reconciliation as Mi'kmaq people of of Newfoundland. So it was a great day, a great moment, very emotional, and I was really pleased to be able to bring Halibut First Nation into the Assembly of First Nations. And uh, we look forward to working with them. I've already been to a couple of meetings. I've been invited to, to participate in a committee and, you know, and we'll try to bring as many of our council members, you know, next year to the AGA, and uh, and, and we'll go from there. So our relationship with the AGA, uh, with the Assembly First Nation, it has been positive so far. Uh, I get a good feeling of, of friendliness there and warmth, and I do enjoy being there. We've been involved as an organization in the FNI before us with the Congress of Aboriginal People for decades, and us leaving CAP, Really, was nothing to do with the way we were treated at the Congress the Aboriginal people. We were treated great there, and some nice people there. But as a First Nations band, you know, the largest individual First Nations or Indian Act band in Canada, it was felt that the Assembly of First Nations is where we should be, and it's why we made that move toward the Assembly of First Nations.
0: And do you I think the they...
1: cap well, and, and I'm sure they're, they're you know on, onward and upward with that organization on behalf of Métis and non-status people.
0: Do you think the, the move could have happened uh, sooner? I think we we're a bit reluctant to uh, try our luck at the AFN because I think we were somewhat concerned about the Nova Scotia chiefs with whom we've had a difficult relationship. But really, there was no obstacle from them. And I wonder if, um, if history might have been different uh, had we joined uh, the AFN earlier and perhaps had their support on their enrollment issue.
1: Well, Glenn, that's a good question. You know, it's it's speculative. Um, should we have gone earlier? As I mentioned, you know, you have to build a relationship. And I said to someone a while ago, you know, when when you make a date with a girl, you don't ask her to get married on the first on the first date. It usually takes a few dates and some trust build up and a bit of a relationship. So there's where we were, and we have been working on, of course, the Maritime Mi'kmaq people, uh, the Nova Scotia chiefs, chiefs in New Brunswick and PEI, and in Gaspe you know, to lobby for their support when we finally did this. But we needed a person like Chief Moselle Joe to come forward, who's very respected not only in Newfoundland and in the Maritimes as a Mi'kmaq leader. He is a spiritual and cultural leader of Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland, but he has a lot of respect across his country. So it was important for him to be in a position. And remember, you only get to do this twice a year, you know, usually in the summertime, and then it could be done at Christmas or before Christmas, because the AFN meets twice with these two large meetings. So for me, it was a case of, you know, starting some time ago, trying to build a relationship with people who would be impacting us and and having the decision on where we are. And I think, you know, we did the right thing. The timing was right when we did it. Of course, our band was believed to be extremely large and people weren't supporting us that much. Because of the potential size of Halliburton, remember, we had 103,000 applicants involved in this process, and yes, other indigenous jurisdictions in Canada were concerned about that. But once our band was, uh, you know, finally settled down, there was an announcement last year, early this year, about how many would be in the band, Maybe people felt, yeah, okay, we've got this settle away now. Maybe it's another time to look at them. But when we were up in the air with respect to our size or our band or membership, maybe others in the country, you know, wouldn't give us the same consideration as we got just recently. And, again, on my part, that is also speculative and assuming. But, you know, this is the way it looked and, uh, you know, part of my becoming Chief of Halibut, there was no conversation ever about us joining the Assembly of First Nations, but it's something I endeavored to do when I became Chief, and of course with the support of our Council, and with the support of our membership and our elders. So I'm, I'm pleased that we were able to do this, and for us now it's a, a new relationship, a new day with the Assembly of First Nations. And you know we're a band now that people are are looking at us maybe a little bit differently, mm-hmm. so then in terms of the timing, I think it had to happen when it happened, and to go earlier, we may not have had the success that we had in July
0: soon after July, we moved into the <clears throat> into the Halibu election uh, campaign, and um, it ended uh, very well for you in the sense that you got um, more votes as chief than your two candidates combined. So, um, you know, uh, a, uh, an overwhelming victory for you. But it was a difficult campaign in terms of the, of the tone of the campaign. It was a very nasty campaign. I think a nastier campaign even than we see in other elections in uh, municipal, provincial, or federal even, where, you know, they can be nasty enough. And I wonder how you, how you feel after going through that experience. Um, you know, it's uh, when people question your integrity uh, and suggest that you're dishonest, as, as people did during the campaign, that must sort of get under your skin. Um, it's one thing to disagree with you on policy, but to question your very honesty must be, must be very difficult to take uh, in a situation like that.
1: Well, I can only sum it up by saying that um, emotions surrounding the enrollment process and membership at Halibut have been extremely high. We've had individuals, families, and communities impacted. And in that regard, you know, I was expecting it to be a bit rough. People have to blame somebody for a situation. I've been doing what I can, Glenn, in the last number of a uh, few years to try to fix what, we've, uh, what happened with the supplemental agreement, but particularly the point system. And, yeah, you know, I went into that election not expecting it to be, uh, be nice because, you I know, mean, a small number of what I call a minority of people seem to spend a lot of time on Facebook. And I, and I don't know if they're still at it or not, but I would, would trust and hope that they settle down a little bit by now. But, yeah, when people get out there and, again, a minority is the same people over and over with the same commentary. And people who have never met me have never spoken with me, but just form an opinion and they get involved in the, in the bashing uh, thing that others do you know, I was expecting it. I wasn't too much hurt by it really. One thing I've come to learn that to be in, in, in politics and be a leader of an in, in indigenous organization or any politician, you have to get a little bit tougher hide because people will come at you. We see it all the time uh, in other jurisdictions and of course politically, uh, provincially and federally, even municipally, you see some things. But yeah, it was a little uh, it was a little tougher than I expected to be. But, you know, it is what it is. It's done now. I have a strong mandate. We have a really solid council I'm looking forward to working with. And they're all excited about getting going. They're pretty gung-ho, and they're looking forward to January to roll up the sleeves and get on with the good work, continue with the good work that we've been doing here at Halaloo First Nation on behalf of people in communities.
0: Do you think that, uh, do you have it within your soul to sort of <clears throat> reach out to um, <clears throat> those people who, you um You know, who were in the campaign or otherwise, um, who said those bad things about you, to have a working relationship going forward. Are you able to, uh, you know, to let it roll over you, or does that stuff always stay with you?
1: Glenn, you know, I'm one of these guys who forgets quickly, and to me, it's about it's time to move on. And I would encourage people who were involved in election that people had had, you know, things to say, positive or negative. To keep involved in their communities, keep contributing, don't just go away and we'll never hear from them anymore until the next election because everybody has a role to play in our communities. And the best example I can think of is a cultural contribution that people can make. I mean, that's something that's ongoing despite any election or despite who is chief or or council. So these people who were involved in the election and the naysayers are out there, I can only suggest, you know, it's time to put Facebook away and get involved in your communities contribute, volunteer, help out where you can, and try to be positive as much as you can in terms of moving forward. We have a lot of work to do and a lot of stuff that's going on for Halibut really has its origins in our communities, and the best example I can think of is culture. Halibut First Nation is here to support culture in every way, financially, being involved directly, participating, supporting what's going on in communities. But there's a, and and, you know, people are driving those initiatives in communities like Flat Bay and St. George's and Stephenville and Cornerbrook and Glenwood and Grand Falls and all these places. So it's the people in the community who are driving that. So I would encourage anyone who wants to stay connected or involved, get involved with cultural events in your community, be participative and be supportive. And that's all I can say. But for me, I'm not offering holding grudges. Um, I would encourage people to, to get involved. and and keep participating. And if there were candidates in this election, just don't go away and, you know, mad, say, I never got elected, so, you know, I'm not going to help out. I would encourage them, yeah, you know, it's not only just about an election, it's about being participative in your communities in any way you can by volunteering and helping out. And this is how we grow and develop our communities. And we need leaders to do that.
0: Now, as well as uh, being re-elected yourself, most of the uh, – well, all the incumbents but one was re-elected, and, then, and that one person was uh, Joe Buzan, and I think it's fair to say that you and, uh, and Joe Buzan did not have the best relationship, but now you have Randy Drover as the central uh, vice chief, and, um, and we have two uh, – I guess the only two of the new councillors who weren't part of your – group uh, were, the, were the two Ivans, Ivan White uh, Sr. for Flat Bay and Ivan White Jr. from St. George's. So it'll be a different, um, a different kind of council uh, than, the, than the one we had before, um, hopefully with a different uh, dynamic and perhaps that's what you're hoping for as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm excited about the new council, as I mentioned, but just a comment you, you made a moment ago about the relationship with Joe Bazan. Joe Bazan, was, Joe Bazan was our police chief in Central. We worked together on, on IC committees and other committees for a few years, and uh, I don't know what you've been hearing, but I have no ill feeling toward Joe Bazan. Um, he did what he could, uh, and the end of the day he was, uh, I think, taken up with the enrollment aspect in, in a lot of ways, and I think his family was being directly impacted, so in that regard, I mean, you know, he, he saw this thing differently than I did. So I just wanted to correct you on that. But with respect to our new council, I'm looking forward to, to working with this group. Uh, and we have two new vice chiefs, which I'm, uh, I, I know very well. Randy Drover was part of the first council. He's extremely intelligent, he's hardworking, and he's smart. And he's good with people. And Keith Cormier, same thing. He's proven himself for years here now in this area. Very strong, involved with in his culture, good business background, good community volunteering. Uh, whether it's the you know annual teddy bear fundraiser or the you know things, the salmon festival that he was the originator of in Grand Falls years ago. I mean, he's a strong community representative, and he was doing it before Halibut, but he's doing it really well since he got involved in his culture in Halibut First Nation some years ago. So, I'm excited about working with those guys. And as for the rest of the council, we have five new people in. Of course, both Ivan J. White and Ivan Sr. That's how we call them now, so we don't get them mixed up. It's Ivan J. and Ivan Sr. Mm. Looking forward to working with them. They have a lot of community experience also. Baudel Pike is with us now, and her reputation and her experience speaks in itself. You know, president of the Newfoundland Aboriginal Women's Network, been involved with women's issues for decades. And she's also involved with (coughs) Lulewag on the board of directors. She's involved with uh, the Friendship Center, the uh, people of the Non-Indigenous Friendship Center as a board member, maybe even chairman of the board. So we're looking forward to bringing that type of experience uh, to our table. And uh, and I'm excited about the prospects of the new people that are involved, working well with the council that that was reelected, or as you referred to, the incumbent. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new council and we have um, a lot of work to do in 2009. This will be a big year for us. But a lot of initiatives have been ongoing. We have lots of work to do in the area of cultural support. Uh, we're going to continue developing develop strong relationships, of course, with governments at all levels, municipal, provincial, federal. We're going to be supporting many things uh, in the area of business and economic development and all leading to finding funds to pay forward into our communities to give our people and our communities. We've talked in the past year about an MOU, well, last year actually with the Berry Group, but we're still working on that regarding redfish. We've joined in an MOU with uh, M- Malbubic First Nation and Inu Nation uh, in Labrador on Arctic Surf Climb. We know in 2019 someone will get a license for that. So all of these relationships, though, speak to moving positively together in creating unity among our business community, but particularly unity and togetherness among indigenous communities in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, of course, Chief Joe has been instrumental in helping us foster these relationships. And we're looking at all kinds of opportunities. The Urban Reserve, we talked about some time ago. We're still working on that. I think.
0: Tell we'll us what the status of the something. Urban Reserve is, because there's quite a lot of interest in that.
1: Sure, Glenn. Thank you. It's a great opportunity. We call it the Hello Business Park. It will be started in 2019, I believe. We're hoping to, to, to get property, break ground, uh, so to speak and get moving on that initiative. It's very important for us. And we're having conversations still with government and with our consultant, Jerry Kerr, on that project. And we have our committee formed. So in January, after Christmas, we're back at Urban Reserve, pretty heavy, and hopefully we'll bring that project to fruition. And and I think it's going to happen for us. And government appears to be willing to work with us on that. We're looking for other opportunities um, in the area of, you know, business initiatives from real estate to business ownership, Again, all for purposes of generating funds, creating employment for our people. We've looked at all kinds of of things. We have a Halibut Development Corporation put back together in 2018. A lot of uh, initiatives are happening there. We're testing the waters in many areas. And again, developing new relationships and partnerships that will lead to positive things from a business perspective. Again, all for the purpose of generating funds. That we will distribute at the end of the day to our membership and our communities to help out wherever we can.
0: Well, 2018 was a difficult year, so we're hoping that 2019 is a better year and that um, when we talk a year from now, there will be many pluses in the plus column to talk about. So Chief, thank you very much and uh, thanks for all your work over the past year and all the best in 2019.
1: Thank you, Len, very much. And you um, keep up your program, and I'd like to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you in January. All the best.
0: Halibut Chief, Brendan Mitchell. And that's it for the show. We're going to take a couple weeks now to recharge, and we'll be back in January. Thanks to all the people who helped make Make Mi'kmaq Matters in 2018. Alison Baker is our technical producer. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. And thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, The Voice of Bombay, and
1: CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.